What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Go Crazy Podcast, uh, episode five. We've officially been doing this for over a month. Bart, how does that feel? Crazy to think. I'm glad we jumped into it. I think it's been great, though. Yeah, it's been cool. I've gotten a ton out of it, so hopefully listeners have too. Uh, If you have listened to all four of the first episodes, DM me on Instagram. First of all, major props that you're sitting around listening to to us. Uh, DM me on Instagram. I've got some go crazy stuff I want to send your way. Obviously, the message resonates with you um, or you're just that bored. And either way, you know, a a gift would be good for you at this point in life. So uh, send me a DM on Instagram. Today, we've got a special episode Bart recently just completed the Bryce Canyon Ultra Marathon 100 miler. So we're going to be doing a bit of a, a race recap and just outlining uh, some of the experiences, the lessons and all that stuff. So to start out, Bart, I have never been at the start line of a hundred miler. I know that was your first uh, sanctioned hundred miler. And I don't know how many of our listeners have, have been at that starting line. So We'll get into the race, but first off, um, I know you were training, but you did get sick beforehand. So talk to me a little bit about how you personally were feeling going into it. I know you're not one to, uh, to, to give excuses or take the easy way out or, you know, bow out, I guess, but were you a little bit nervous going into it with those uh, few days of sickness beforehand? Yeah, I was definitely worried about it because I'd been feeling great. I'd been training exactly how I wanted to. And it came up to the week of the race and I got hit like a freight train with sickness. I tested, it wasn't COVID, but I had body aches, chills, and it left me bedridden. I had a headache and luckily that only lasted for two days, but that was five days before the race. But on those other days leading up to the race, even though I wasn't having those same symptoms, I was just lethargic and my energy was gone. And frankly, it just left me nervous and scared because I put in so much work, but I knew no matter what, that I was going to do it. I had multiple people reach out and say, oh man, this is unfortunate. I feel bad. Hopefully you get to run the race. And my response was, I'm running the race it's either going to be sick or healthy, but it's happening. Yeah. And then just see what happens, but you are at least going to get to the start line. Um, Cool. So you drove down with your family, got there the day before the race. Yeah, we got down there the day before the race. And just like the 100 miler that I helped pace in April, it was in the desert as well. It was super windy, dust blowing in our eyes at the uh, race check-in point. And I just thought, oh, great. Here we go again. Sand in our teeth. Just, it it was crazy. Nice. You've got a knack for choosing the uh, the right ones to participate in. Um, Cool. So day before the race, I'm guessing, is like check-in, getting your bearings, uh, setting up all of your different aid bins and getting family organized and stuff. Um, looking at the website here for the race says about a 5.00 AM start time. So what, like, I guess, what time do you wake up at? Do you eat anything beforehand? Um, what does kind of your pre-race routine look like before getting to the start line? So I basically didn't sleep. I'm not a great sleeper anyway, 
but I think I nodded off a few times just with excitement and also fear of sleeping in beyond my alarm clock or something of that nature. But I officially got out of bed at 3 a.m. and I went through, there's so much to do that morning, even though it's just a run. It's not like the triathlons where there's even more to do, but with the run, you're putting on anti-chafe cream everywhere. You're trying to make sure that you have everything fitting right, your, your shoes tied properly, make sure that your pack is loaded with everything that you're going to need. Even though there's aid stations, there's certain things that they don't carry that you need to make sure that you have. In addition to that, you are just mentally frazzled, just with excitement that the day is finally here, but also maybe a, a little fearful too with what is ahead of you. So I was double and triple checking everything to make sure I had it because you don't want to be out there in the middle of the race and realize that you forgot something important. Yeah, I know from personal experience running with you, you're uh, a notorious overpacker. How'd you feel like you, uh, you packed this go around? I would give myself a B plus. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely took more than I needed, but less than I have in the past. I did a little bit more research regarding what would be available at aid stations. And I packed probably 60% less of what I typically would, but it's just a habit of mine because a lot of these things that we do are self-supported. The Grand Canyon type adventures were down there having to carry all of our own nutrition, our water and anything else we would need. So it, it's this habit that it's hard to break, but I did, I think I did pretty good this time. That's good. <laughs> Moving in the right direction. Honestly, if you're going to miss one way or the other, you'd rather have a little bit extra. So, um, it, so it looks like there's a couple different distances on this race, 30 K 50 K 60 K 50 mile and hundred mile. Did everybody start same place, same time, or were, were you just amongst the hundred milers? So the hundred milers started at 5.00 AM and the, the other races, I think the 50 milers started at 6.00 AM and they just each progressively started a little later. However, the beginning of the course was the same for all races. So at, I don't know, I'm trying to think maybe 10 miles, 12 miles in, we we're getting passed by the people running the 50 K and they would just blow by us because they had a lot more energy and pep in their step and knew that the day would be over a lot sooner than ours would. Yeah. That's funny. It's kind of psychological. Um, okay. So you, you were starting Start line, 5 a.m., pitch black. You're amongst everybody else who's preparing for the 100-miler. Um, I don't know. I kind of, like, get the sense that it it's kind of like a feeling where you're, like, looking around at each other, and you're just, like, a little bit of what did we get ourselves into? And, like, okay, these are the people that are going to be, like, suffering alongside me. Everybody's probably just, like, in their own heads. What is that feeling like just around? Is it calm is it excitement like what are the race directors doing how does it feel at, at the start line before 100 miler so what you would imagine it would look like and feel like is a bunch of people scared out of their minds because of the 100 miles ahead of them through these mountains knowing that they're going to be going all day yeah the next night at minimum mm -hmm. but 
I think we're all a little nuts and <laughs> brain dead or something because we all are, they're happy hugging each other. They've got ACDC blaring on the radio and the race directors just pumping everyone up with what they're saying. And we, the gun goes off and we all run out of there and we're excited. And to me, it's kind of like the analogy of anything new we do in life. We get excited about it, whether it's a new job or uh, just getting married or you get a new dog, whatever it may be. There's that moment where you're just like so excited and pumped up. You're like, this is great. Same thing with the race. But as with everything else, you get a little bit into it. And then everyone starts looking around like, oh, man, <laughs> what did we get ourselves into? Because that ACDC isn't playing anymore. <laughs> your legs are starting to hurt. You see the giant mountain ahead of you that you have to climb and it kind of dampens your spirits and you really have reality set in after that point, but the energy is high at the starting line for sure. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's fun then. Um, okay. So it says here, the hundred miler starts at the mouth of Proctor Canyon and then climbs 700 feet right away. The first two miles um, up that Canyon. So I guess what was your approach to, uh, to this first part of the race as the ACDC drowned out? I know you were feeling pretty good, but, uh, but you've had some experience where you know to play the long game, keep your pace slow, just stay within yourself. Um, yeah, I guess how, how did that first part go? It's definitely a, a strategy to ultra running, unless you're one of the absolute top of the world elite runners you definitely have to be self-disciplined because you're coming out of that gate and a lot of people come out super hot and I'm fairly good at being self-disciplined and, and point myself back a little bit. And every time I've done that, it's paid off, but you always have that nagging thought in your mind. Am I going too slow? Should I be going faster? But on the other hand, you don't want to just blow out of the gate because you have a whole day and a whole night ahead of you. And if you're not going to pull back, you're probably going to blow up at mile 40 or so. And I typically like to refer to it as the old childhood story of the tortoise and the hare. A lot of the times, if you're able to maintain that self-discipline and just self-talk, I have a lot of self-talk during these races. And I have to tell myself, this is your race slow down, stick to the pace that you've been training at and what is going to help you achieve your goal to end this race. And don't let any other factors push you out of that zone. And it's really hard though, because you have people just moving and that excitement and that adrenaline is still in you, but you truly have to practice that self-discipline or you're going to blow up later in the race. Yeah, actually that kind of reminds me, didn't you, uh, I think you learned that the hard way. Wasn't there a marathon that you ran? I kind of vaguely remember you telling me this story where you were like puking, push your, push yourself too far. Um, people were telling you to slow down, I think. And you're like, no, no, I feel good. W what was that again? That, that was the Huntsville marathon. That was probably my fourth marathon ever. And it's a almost completely downhill marathon. I remember getting the line and of course like any other start line you're like pumped up and you've got the adrenaline going the race starts and I remember just taking off and passing my brother-in-law who was faster than me and 
I just remember cruising along thinking, I am doing so awesome. Hit like four miles in, there's an aid station. I blew right through and I'm like, I'm not even thirsty. I'm just, I feel so good. And I'm just cruising along. And oh man, I hit mile six and I was on the side of the trail, just puking my guts out. But I was up there with the top elite runners that probably finished it, podium finished for the first couple of miles. Cause I was just like, man, I feel great. But what ended up happening is then I hit mile 19 and I'm walking for a half mile. Then I'm running a hundred yards and then I'm walking a quarter mile and running a hundred yards. And I was just blown up because I did not practice that self-discipline. And that was a, a hard way to learn the lesson, but it's completely applicable to these ultra runs, especially because it's the long game. Like you said, this isn't just a 5k where you can just let it go and go all out. You've got to truly know when to push it and when to hold back. Yeah. Well, I mean, even 26.2 becomes irrelevant at this point. Like that's just a quarter of the race. So do you, do you divide up the race at all? Like mentally, how do you approach this mentally? Is it just like, I'm not even going to look at my watch. I'm just going to keep on moving. Do you check pace? Do you check how you're like, how many miles you've gone so far or does that just throw you off? So I, I try to look at my watch maybe every half hour or so, and mainly just to make sure that I'm on pace. But a lot of it just now with so much training is by feel, because I know how fast I can guess within like so close within my pace, just by feel without even looking at my watch. So I can know where I'm at without looking there. And the reason I do that is because it can get very defeating when you're looking down and you're like, okay, I'm at three miles. Oh man, I'm only at 3.8 miles. Oh, I'm only at 4.2 miles, Mm -hmm. especially in these long range races, because if you can't stay in that mile, then you are going to completely be defeated and not want to keep going and probably lead to a lot of DNFs when people get too overwhelmed with what is still ahead of them. So I like to just go by Phil. But to further answer that question, I do break it up, but it, it's usually by emotion. <laughs> and what I mean by that is the starting line is amazing and you're, you're going along. You have adrenaline, you're excited, you're talking to other racers out there as you're going up these steep hills right at the beginning. And everyone's talking about what their goals are and just getting to know each other and having a great time. By about mile 18, you start to feel it. You're now the luster of the ACDC at the starting line is gone. Your legs are getting a little sore and you are now having that nagging. Oh my gosh, I still have like 82 miles to go. This is insane. And I feel that way usually about mile 18 to 20 through mile 40. And it is it's hard. It's hard to, to stay motivated because there's so much ahead of you still. And it it can, you can quickly like pull yourself down. But once I hit the aid station at mile 45, it was like, okay, we're close to halfway. And then once you hit halfway, you're like, okay, now every single mile from here on out is a negative mile. So we're that much closer. I'm not building up to that hump of 50 miles where you still haven't hit that halfway point. Yeah. So was there any indication, um, 
leading up to this that you were going to experience any sort of knee pain or like, was that out of the blue? That was completely out of the blue. So I have been super fortunate to not have any injuries and minus the sickness a week before, like I've been extremely healthy and I've been focusing on that, trying to stay healthy and injury free, but there's only so much you can do when you're putting in so many miles. But at mile 28, I had just passed the mile 28 station and I got to see my family and got to see a few friends and that was super uplifting. But then I got out of the aid station and started to hit that slump again of like, oh my gosh, I still have 80 miles to go basically. And I was going down this section at mile 28 and all of a sudden got a major sharp pain in my left knee. And I thought, oh man, what is that? And so I started to run a a little slower, but it just, the pain persisted. And I thought, okay, maybe it's going to go away. So I slowed down and started to walk for about two or three minutes and it was making it worse. I was like, what's going on? And so essentially what it felt like to give you the exact description is it felt like somebody took a screwdriver on the outer side of my left knee and just shoved it and stabbed it right through the left side of my knee. And every time my knee would flex forward, it just was this grinding feeling like it was cutting away at my bone. And I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do like this. I can't go on like this. So I tried to walk it out a little and that only helped so much. But as I continue to um, work on like changing my gait up a little bit, it started to loosen up and help a little, but I could still feel the pain with every single step. So while I was out there dealing with this knee injury, I just kept telling myself, I'm not going to quit. And I kept thinking about this thought that I hope that this $350 registration fee for this race includes pulling me off this mountain and transporting me back because I don't want to pay for like search and rescue to pull me off here, but I was not going to quit unless it hit that point. And I think a lot of times when we deal with anything in life, we're going to hit these bumps in the road where we're going to want to quit and we're going through pain. And it doesn't matter if you're going through struggles in a marriage or if you're dealing with troubles, deciding which college to go to, or in that marriage, if you're dealing with a spouse that squeezes the toothpaste from the middle of the tube instead of the end and you're mad at each other or whatever, or whether you're a salesman out knocking doors trying to sell a product and you're getting doors slammed in your face, like you're going to deal with these types of frustrations and bumps in your life, just like I did in this race. And you're going to have to figure out how you're going to overcome those because you can't just quit on life. Like these things are going to come out of the blue and and hit you. So you need to figure out how you're going to keep going. And that's what I think go crazy is all about is we go out and do these crazy things and we can translate them to the things that we all deal with in life. Yeah. Uh, I experienced kind of this, the, a similar thing when we did that run from my house up to mountains of Benogus and then back down, it, it was out of the blue as well. I had no indication that I was going to have pain like that. 
Um, but yeah, it, it's like right on the outside of your knee and just a sharp, sharp pain. And, um, the more I researched it, 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 it looked like a pretty common thing called uh, runner's knee, ironically, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, apparently it's just like your it band that goes from your glue all the way down to your knee. And I'm by no means a doctor. So this is all like Google doctor, but, um, the it band apparently like rubs against the knee and it can cause that sharp pain. But apparently the IT band is such a thick muscle that trying to stretch or roll out the IT band itself is almost useless. What you usually have to do and what worked for me is loosen up the glute and then the glute kind of loosens hold of the IT band and it'll stretch it out enough. So I put a lacrosse ball into my butt cheek and it was painful just like sitting on it. I almost cried. Um, but yeah, that's why I told you that over text because apparently the it band is is too thick to stretch so tell me about what like what's the, i don't know i feel like we need to talk about the difference between discomfort maybe and pain and then like risking injury taking it too far and also like mentally this was mile 28 so knowing that you have 70 miles ahead of pain like, I kind of just want to flat out ask you, like, why didn't you just quit at that point? Like, why, why would you endure 70 miles of that and risk injury? Quitting is not in my DNA. Like, like, I understand, like, if my leg completely locked up and I could not take another step, at that point, I'd be out. But I could still move it. And as I continued to move it, even though I was feeling that pain in it, it would loosen up. But the minute I would stop for even a second, like I stopped at this water tank to fill up a water bottle really quick. And then I tried to go again. And my, my leg was just like, so painful. I can't even describe how painful it was, but it took about three minutes. And I thought, well, I guess I have to just hobble to the next aid station and call it quits because that was a water station only with no race aid support staff. And so I started going, I'm like, okay, well, it loosened up, but I'm still feeling the pain. But it was a pain that I didn't feel was going to make it to a point where I was going to cause permanent damage, but it hurt really bad. And I had known a little bit about IT band stuff. And I was hoping it was that because that's exactly what it felt like. And I knew that if it was, then it was just going to be super painful and wasn't going to be something wrecking like one of my tendons or something. So I just, the thought going through my head was if I'm not going to be creating permanent damage, then I need to stay true to the promises that I made to myself. And I promised myself that I was going to do everything I could unless I passed out due to heat stroke or if my leg was broken. And I was going to do everything I could to finish that race. And some people have called me crazy and said, well, like sometimes you need to break those promises. And I, I always think that what's happened to the good old days when two cowboys could agree upon something, spit in their hand and shake each other's hand. And it was like a deal. And like, and when people like actually kept their word and, and things like that. And I'm a huge believer in it. And if I'm going to preach that and expect that of other people, I'm going to have to expect it of myself. And I felt that I made an assessment that I wasn't going to be causing that permanent damage in my leg. And once that was my decision, I decided I was going to do everything I could to keep that promise to myself. 
whether I was feeling the pain every step or not. Yeah, I think uh, in our conversation last week with Tony, I reposted the clip today because it it really resonated with me where he said, yeah, originally, you know, I I did it for my kids, the weight loss journey and everything. But at a certain point, uh, you have to do it for yourself because in a 10 mile run at mile eight, your family is going to be proud of you. And in a hundred mile ultra marathon, if you're feeling pain at mile 28, people will be like, okay, like we know how hard you trained Bart, you know, nobody was going to hold that over your head, but like, what do you think of you? What promises did you think of Like, what are your values? What's your ethos? You know, like James um, always talks about. So, I mean, I think that that's a perfect example of it is like, kind of throwing everybody else out the window. Like, I don't care, you know, what everybody else was going to be proud of or that other people were going to justify it for me. You know, your body, you know, you knew that you weren't going to do permanent damage. So, uh, so to keep on going, uh, how important are pacers for keeping up morale? Like, how do you, how do you choose them? Is it just whoever's dumb enough to, uh, to sign up for it with you? Or, you know, are they like specifically like strategically chosen? How much do they come into play? So on this occasion, I hand-selected two extremely good people that would not let me quit, that would that knew me well and knew when to push me and when to be compassionate. And my friend Jenny and her boyfriend Jonathan were the, the two that paced me. And pre-race, I had talked to Jenny and I just said, hey, you know me. We've known each other since we were younger and kids. And if you even see a smidgen of defeat or quitting in my eyes, I'm giving you permission right now to punch me in the face. (laughs) And she was like, all right, man. And so she even posted on social media and said, I'm warming up my right hook, dude, just in case. (laughs) But they were so integral to my race. Like they were such a big part. I hit mile 57. At that point, it was dark. And it was cold. My leg hurt super bad. And I came in. The first thing that happened was Jenny was out there. She already had her vest on. And she was like, okay, what do you need? She gave me a big hug. And she's like, good job making this far. Just a lot of encouragement, which was actually what I needed at that point because I was hurting. I was super down about my knee and the prospect of still having to go the 43 more miles And she was super encouraging and was like, all right, let's go. And the next 20 miles, they were pretty hard miles. We had some very big climbs. And on top of one of the passes, it was super windy. But she and I were able to just talk and chat and laugh. And she really distracted me and and helped me get through the night without any issues. And when we got back to the aid station, we had about 25 miles left to the finish and that's when Jonathan took over and both of these people are elite runners they're amazing ultra runners and Jonathan I just kept apologizing I just said hey I'm sorry we're gonna have to go slow for a a minute my legs really giving me some issues and he was so nice about it and just said hey let's do what you need to do let's let's keep moving and so he, he kept pushing me but there came a point after the sun started to come up and I started to perk up a a little bit again, that he was telling these stories about some of his past races and experiences that he'd gone through. And he, 
he's just a, has a really good mindset. And he was basically telling me that I could push it faster than I thought I could. And what was amazing was my fastest miles of the entire race were the last 12 miles of my race. He lit something in me and those last 12 miles, we were running at a nine 30 minute mile pace, which at that point in a race, when you're hitting the end of a hundred, especially with what was going on with my leg, I could not believe it. And after I finished and I felt that pain, uh, like come in after the adrenaline at all, I gone away. I was like, how did I just do that? And it was amazing because I've talked about it in a previous episode that when people believe in you and you surround yourself with these amazing people, you'll be completely shocked at what you can do. Like Jenny was there for the role to like uplift me and support me and like get me out of this slump. And then Jonathan was there to be like, dude, you have more in you. Let's go. Like, come on. This is like the end of the race. Let's just finish this off. And he pushed me and it's just amazing again, what you can do and what limits you perceive you have and what you truly can do when people push you and believe in you. That's awesome. So you finished the last 12 miles, 930 pace, came into the finish line 19th overall. Ended up finishing 19th overall. And I think there's a few people shocked because Jonathan had lit that fire in me and we were running. And we were just coming through those last few miles. And there was the people that were like dragging along half asleep. And we'd run by and they'd look and be like, oh, what are they doing now? <laughs> How are they doing that? But honestly, I attribute it to him and he kept throwing it back. No, man, that was all you. And I said, no, like I needed him there to push me to do that. If he was not there, I, I guarantee I would have finished an hour and a half slower for sure. Yeah. And uh, part of it's like, okay, an hour and a half slower in 30 hours, like not that big of a deal, but um, it's not necessarily about metrics and finishing 19th overall. It's just like those constant little cookies, right? That is just like, proof to yourself of what you're capable of and reminders of, okay, make sure you hang out with Jonathan, like make sure you hang out with those groups of people. Cause, cause they'll lead you to success. Um, I guess this is less of a serious question, but what is it that like when you're in those darkest moments that you like miss the most, like for me, for example, I think uh, on the grand Canyon, I just wanted like salty food. Like I just wanted like a pizza. Like I think I miss food the most rather than like, bed or like rest or anything like that what is it that that's always taking up your thoughts whenever you're uh wishing you weren't on the trail anymore there were so many times i had to fight myself to not do it but i literally just wanted to go walk off into the bushes and lay down but the problem was i was wearing like a red shirt that i'd never thought i would expose because i it was so cold in the morning then it got so hot during the day I didn't think I'd ever be wearing a t-shirt but I was like awkwardly wearing like a red t-shirt and a red vest and like I had some red gaiters on and so I'm like if I go over and lay in the woods somebody's gonna think like I died over there and there's no way to hide because I'm just like this bright red thing over in the trees but that I wanted to lay down and just take a quick snooze for a minute but I knew if I did then my leg would probably seize up, which yeah. it did later after the car ride home. It, it did seize up and I couldn't even straighten it for like a couple hours. But I knew that that would probably happen. 
And the best thing to do is just keep moving. But I wanted to lay down so bad. Yeah. Um, so now I think today you had a doctor's appointment, right? How did that go? It went pretty good. I went to see an orthopedic surgeon and luckily they, they came back and said it was my IT band. They did some x-rays and it was actually a very positive visit because even though I, I left still in pain, I was able to get some answers that my knee structure on both knees is super good and that all my ligaments and so forth are extremely healthy. So I, I need to obviously figure out how to stretch my IT band and prevent that from being a issue in the future, but overall extremely positive with the other answers I got. Good. All right. I guess that clears you from the doghouse from your wife. If if it would have been a medical bill, it could have been bad. Uh, Cool. Well, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the race recap. Uh, You have a couple or just one more hundred miler this year. What does the rest of the year look like for you? Yeah, I have a hundred miler in September. I'm pacing two people on their races in between, but for me, I just have the bare 100 in September. Sweet. Um, okay. Well, that's it. Um, hopefully you all like this kind of episode as Bart and I do crazy things. You know, we want to be able to share those with you and come back and report back on our experiences, our lessons, the not so pretty parts, and then the, the celebrations as well. But I feel like that's kind of part of, of the transparency and living the brand that we're talking about. So once again, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully that provided you with some inspiration, motivation, wisdom, if this is something that you're wanting to do in the future. Um, be sure to review on the platform that you are using. That would be a big help to the both of us. And uh, tune into the next episode next week.